Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Thank you, worship team. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, we're so blessed to have Brother Tim Pettigo with us here tonight. We're going to ask him to come. He can kind of introduce. He knows himself better than I know him. All right. So, Brother Tim, God bless you. Amen. So good to have you with us. Thank you, Pastor Knowles. Amen. It is such a joy to be here. I've never been in Richland, Washington. And so this is a new thing for me. This little thing here is a new thing for me. I have no idea what I'm doing with it. But Brother Garrett's going to help me. So we're gonna, is it okay if I sing a song or something? Is that all right? Um, I'm struggling with this. All right. Old dogs are learning new tricks. Okay, here we go. or a sinless heart I'm standing here only by the grace of God How about you? You feel the same way? I don't have to say that I'm far short of perfect but I hope it's evident God's working on me I'm thankful every day for a tender hand of mercy that covers over my mistakes, merited amazing grace. I'm standing here by the grace of God, not by my strength or the path I've trod. It's not my holiness, righteousness, or a sinless heart. I'm standing here. Only by the grace of God. And no matter how hard I look, I find nothing good in me. No help, no inner strength that could ever set me free. I had no power within that could set my sin away. There's one reason, one reason alone that I'm standing here today. I'm standing here by the grace of God, not by my strength or the path I've trod. It's not my holiness, righteousness, or a sinless heart. I'm standing here only by the grace of God. It's not my holiness, righteousness, or a sinless heart. 
you thankful for a gracious, loving, merciful God? Because without that, we're all just worthless lumps of dust. Isn't that what it says in Genesis? 2 and 7 says, he knelt down, scooped up some dust, he breathed into the nostrils of man, and he became a living soul. We're all just worthless lumps of dust without his mercy and grace that's touched our lives. I'm telling you what, I stand here today just so thankful for God and everything he's done. I want to sing one more song. This is a song that uh, I really, I don't take credit for writing. I think I was just taking dictation. Uh, every writer dreams of the moment when lightning strikes. It's like uh, anybody that's creative and does things, you're a painter, just where the brush just does things, and you don't really know what's happening. Well, that's the way this worked. One Sunday evening, we were having church. Church was over, and and I was going around turning off lights, locking doors, getting ready to close up the church. And I, I looked at the back, and a young man walked through the glass doors and went to the corner over here. We had columns in an aisle, and he was hiding behind the last column. And uh, as people would leave, he would move up another column. And as more left, he would move up another column. I knew where he was headed. He was headed to the altar. I'd known him all of his life. He had grown up in the church. He knew every Sunday school story there was to tell. He had received the gift of the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name, but here he was in his early 20s. He had already gotten away from God, gotten mixed up in bad stuff, was really headed down a bad pathway. But aren't you grateful that God sees past our foibles and our mistakes? And he was tugging on him, and we met down at the altar, and God really just touched him and baptized him fresh and new, started everything all over again. And so he got up and left, and I went back to turning off lights, and I was headed up the center aisle, and there was a group of moms standing there, and one of them was his mom. One of the ladies, having seen him come in and leave, she asked her, what do you do when you raise your child in the church? They know everything about the Holy Ghost. What do you do when they just turn their back and walk away? And her, and her answer just kind of caught me as I walked by. I didn't hear the whole conversation. She said, well, look, I'll just tell you this. There's no magic. There's no pixie dust. There's no, that stuff doesn't exist. But I will tell you this. When it's my child, you just keep believing. You keep praying that prayer. You just hang in there. You just keep praying and believing. Well, I just kept walking. You know, it wasn't like a bolt of lightning or anything. And about a week later, I was pulling out of the driveway of the church, and I whispered a little prayer. I said, God, if you could... If you could say anything to the world, what would you want to say? And please allow me to just set it to music. What would you want to say right now? And just that quick, I began to sing this song, top to bottom, never changed a word. It came out just the way God gave it to me. And it's kind of been my mantra through the years. It's helped me through a lot of things, through a lot of stages of life. When troubles rise and catch you on the way, Day to day of living seems unfair. So you try again at all your dreams and plans, but they end up in defeat 
And the fancy frills that are once fulfilled Now leave you incomplete And you wonder where your life's gone wrong And why you can't find peace Friend, your hope's not gone It's just been too long since you've had to believe So keep believing In what you know is true Keep believing You know the Lord will see you through And when troubles rise in your life And you don't know what to do You'll be fine if you just keep believing. The enemy can only bring defeat if he can somehow shake what we believe. So our faith cannot be based upon only what we see or feel. And the circumstances cannot change what our hearts know to be real. So when doubts arise and cloud your mind, my friend, don't be deceived. For with the knowledge of the Word of God in our hearts we can believe now you can take God at His Word He is faithful kind and true and not a prayer will go unanswered in His time He'll see you through you just gotta keep What you know is true, keep believing. You know the Lord will see you through. And when troubles rise in your life and you don't know what to do, when you're looking for answers but you can't find your way, when the enemy tells you that there's no need to pray, you just remember God is faithful and His Word is true. Anything He's promised, you know He's got to do. And you'll be fine if you'll just Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hang in there. Hang in there. I need to tell somebody tonight. Hang in there. God is able. I get it. 
Stuff happens. Stuff happens in life, but God is able always to overcome. Hey, just let me say it this way. If he could step out on nothing and speak and light and darkness separates, if he could speak and the worlds were formed, are we really going to doubt that he can do anything? He can step into our lives at any moment, can he not? Thank you, Pastor Knowles. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. We count it a privilege and an honor. Thank you so much. I miss my wife and my daughter. Uh, they are normally with me, and so they are in Yakima. Did I say that right? Is it Yakima or Yakima? See, there's no W on the end of that, so I'm confused. Yakima. They're in Yakima for the ladies' conference, and so I miss them. But fortunately, we'll get to be here in a couple of weeks, and they'll be with me. So the better part of me will be here then. It is good to see all of you. Thank you to Brother Garrett, Brother Cliff for helping me out. Amen. They're in the back there. And I always like to thank people in the, in the crow's nest in the booth back there because, you know, if it squeals, heads turn. And if it all goes well, somehow Brother Knowles gets all the credit, you know. So I, I don't know. You know how that goes. But anyway, thanks, fellas, for your help. And uh, Greg, good to see you. Good to see you and your family. We go way back. A few years. It's good to see you. Glad to see you're moving on with the Lord and you're here and faithful. God bless you, sir. And to all of you, thank you for being here. It's Wednesday night and I realize there's a lot going on in your world, in your life. So I promise I won't keep you more than a couple of hours. Uh, I want to turn, that really was a joke. Uh, I want to turn your attention tonight to the book of Nehemiah and, uh, I've just got something that I need to say to someone tonight. It's very important. We're in a situation here where uh, the world is in a crazy state. Amen? Can anybody figure out what's really going on with politics and economies and uh, just everything? I, I certainly can't. But I believe that, that God's going to help us. Amen? Nehemiah chapter 1, two verses there, 10 and 11. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayers of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of his man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Now we jump to Nehemiah 2 and verse 2. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And I said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. Send me to my city, to the city of my father's, that I may build it. Nehemiah 4 and 6. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Simple message tonight on a very common portion of Scripture. Stay on the wall. Say that with me. Stay on the wall. 
We're facing a lot of stuff today, a lot of circumstances. Stay on the wall. God, we love you and we thank you for your word. Touch someone's heart tonight. Encourage someone in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Nehemiah was moved with compassion when he heard the report of the condition of Jerusalem, the fact that it, you know, the city literally has been destroyed so many times. And this time it was crumbled to the ground and the, the, the gates, the wooden gates were burning and it was just, it was devastating to him. He couldn't hardly stand it. And he wanted to do something. He didn't know what, but his brother Hananiah had brought in this word of the broken walls and Nehemiah was stirred into action. I have to tell you straight off, and I know we're past it now. I believe we're past it, but the last two or three years have been strange, have they not? I mean, we've survived COVID, and we're here. I think we have. There's not much mention of it anymore, and, and the flu sort of disappeared. So I'm not sure if the COVID is now flu or the flu is COVID. I'm not sure how that works. I'm not a doctor or whatever. You understand what I'm saying? But it's like everything evolves and changes with all that stuff and daily almost. But here's what I, here's what I have noticed. Now, we're on the road. We're traveling all the time. And it disturbs me that in this post-COVID world, um, we see lives falling apart. We see marriages falling apart. We see cities falling apart. But the thing that really breaks my heart more than anything on a given Sunday morning is when my family and I are in the car and we're headed toward the church for that Sunday that we're going to be there or maybe a Wednesday or whatever it is. And pastor, when we pass by church after church after church with empty parking lots and some of them don't even have anything on the sign saying join us online or we'll whatever, it's just empty buildings. It saddens me in a certain kind of way. Now, I'm glad for the fellows who, that are benefiting from it. We have some of our guys in the United Pentecostal Church, uh, even from Indiana, who got word, Southern California, one of the denominations down there, their, their congregations had dwindled so badly that they had two buildings. They said, look, if you can just get some, we don't care what, if Pentecostal, we don't care. If you can get somebody to come in here, start a church, build a church, do something, we'll just give you the building. So we had a, a, a fellow from Northern Indiana, of South Bend up there who took off, went to Southern California. They handed him the keys to a building. Okay, that's wonderful in one sense, but in another sense, doesn't that disturb you just a little bit? In this post-COVID world where congregations just dissipate, they go away. I mean, I, I hate to think that, that any congregation goes away. I'm glad for the benefit to, to be able to start a United Pentecostal church. But you understand what I'm saying? It disturbs me when churches start disappearing. Sometimes we wonder what we can do about that. It's a bit overwhelming. You know, we, we look at it and it's like, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. Well, one person probably can't change the events, can't change the world. But if enough one persons get together, if enough people get together, like mind, like faith, and begin to pray and begin to fast and begin to put everything in the hands of the Lord, things can happen that would not ordinarily happen. Oh, it's a powerful thing. We should concern ourselves with the broken condition of churches and lives and families and cities and all this. Yes, we should. But it breaks my heart when they cannot find a place of rescue, uh, an all-sufficient grace that I just sung about. When they, they go to the doors, the doors are locked and there's no service. Uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine was going through an airport and uh, he, he sat down, he was waiting on his plane and a a lady came and sat down a couple of seats from him, and they began to, to talk. And he was a, a preacher, a pastor, and, and they began to talk. And, and she was very upset, and she began to weep. And he says, I'm sorry, ma'am, is there something I can do for you? And she said, 
She said, are you a pastor? She just called him out just like that. She said, are you a pastor? He said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, answer me this. What happens when you finally, she said, look, here I am in my mid-40s, and, and, and I was raised in a church. Turns out that she was raised in an apostolic church. She had gotten away from God, and she had, she had somehow just gotten lost in the whole thing of life, building a career and starting this and doing her own thing, following her own path. And she said, you know what? I just got so disgruntled with it all that I, I said to myself, I have to go home. I have to go back to my roots. I need to go back to my roots because I know where to go. I know what's right. I know what I have felt. I need to get back to that. And so he said, well, that, you're exactly right, and that's what you should do. She said, no, you, you don't understand. That's what I did. I'm leaving what should be home, and I'm going back to my house, which is not my home. He, he was confused. He said, well, I'm sorry I'm not following you. She said, I, I, I bought a plane ticket to go home, and I just knew that if I get, get back to my church, that I could find my way to an altar. She said, but when I got there, it wasn't the church that I grew up in. It had wandered far away from what I thought it should be. She said, I was so dis just disturbed that I couldn't even stay there. Folks, let me just say this. At a time when things are faltering and failing, we need to stand together for the things of God. We need to stand together as the church. I don't care about COVID. I don't care about economies. I don't care about all that stuff. But I do know this. Here's what I do care about. That these doors are always open. And when people walk through these doors, they feel a power and an anointing that will change lives and heal bodies. God help us if we ever get to a point where people simply come through the doors and maybe they're just entertained just a little bit. Or they feel a little something but nothing powerful enough to make them be drawn to an altar. Hey, that's what this is all about. If we're not coming in here feeling the power and the anointing of God, then why are we here? We cannot lose the sense of anointing. We've got to be the church. We've got to be the church. We've got to stay on the wall. When all of the world is crashing, the broken walls, it was a powerful thing. You have to understand, Nehemiah, he was upset. He didn't really want to say anything to Xerxes or to Xerxes. He, you know, he was like the cupbearer. He's like, how am I going to go to this man and say, oh, you know, I want to go back and rebuild the walls that was destroyed, you know, partially by your army and some others. How do you do that? But God showed favor. Isn't it amazing how God does that? Let's back up just a little bit. Let's talk about how God does things. Now, this is Nehemiah many years later. But I believe there's another story in the Bible where God spoke to Moses and said, go lead my people out. And he grumbled and he went on and he said, you know, I'm slow of speech and tongue, blah, 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 blah. And we know how it all worked out and they ended up doing that. But God did an amazing thing right before they left. We know the Passover, all that happened. But God said to Moses, he said, now tell the people to go to the Egyptians and ask them for silver and gold and everything they'll need. Really? We've been slaves for 400 years, and you just want me to go knock on my neighbor, my Egyptian neighbor's door and say, hey, you got any silver? Got any gold? Yeah, I'll take that. But that's what he said. Moses, tell the people to do that. And you know what? The people did that. And you know what the Egyptians did? They just gave them their gold and silver. Read your Bible. It's in there. So God can turn people's hearts. God can make things happen, right? 
we have to just remain who we are and follow the leading in the hand of God. we got to stay on the wall. All right. So he finally prays, and God, he, you know, he touches Artaxerxes' heart, and he says, you know what? That's right. You should go back. He was a cooperative king. Isn't that an amazing thing? God touched the heart of a rogue king, and he says, you can go back, and you can rebuild the wall. But here's another thing. I'm going to give you the money to do it. I'll put money in the treasury. Uh, Nehemiah, I tell you what, not only will I let you go back, and not only will I fund this little operation, but here's the thing. All of your buddies, all the other Jews that want to go back with you, take them on. Got to have hands to work, right? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. When Nehemiah finally decided to go back, it was a challenge because the Jews who had been taken into these foreign countries had assimilated into the culture, and they didn't want to go back. God help us if we get too comfortable in the world we live in. I believe somewhere in there it says that we're in this world, but we're not of the world. God help us not to get so comfortable in the world that we decide we don't want to go to church. If we don't want to go to church, then we sure don't want to go to heaven. You understand what I'm saying? There needs to be a hunger. There needs to be a desire. There needs to be something churning in us that says, it's Wednesday night and I'm tired, but you know what? If I could just get to the house of God, I'll be strengthened. It's Sunday. I get it. It's Sunday and I'd rather be doing something else, but I've got to take somebody with me. That's what evangelism's all about. Revival's all about. It's not all about me. It's about reaching out and grabbing somebody else. They didn't want to go. Why? Well, they had already found a place in that nation. They had status. They were making good money. Why do I want to go back down there and just be a slave? I, uh, why would I want to do that? And you know, the biggest problem, Nehemiah said, we need priests. And couldn't even get the priests to go. Wow, wow. That's hard. So Nehemiah decides to go anyway. Nehemiah 2 and 18 says, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for his good work this good work. The most respected citizen of Jerusalem went to work. All of it. Didn't matter who they were. They, they had a plan. And they were going to follow the plan. They were going to do this. They were going to get it done. And, but let's go to the next verse. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem of Arabia heard it, they left us to scorn and despise us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Always going to be some opposition. When God starts moving, there's always going to be some opposition. Understand what I'm saying? Anything that God opens a door for, the enemy is going to throw in a wall. He's going to throw in some opposition. But that's okay. You just keep moving. You just keep moving. There are always those who's not going to like what we're doing. I saw a picture. Pastor showed me a picture out here on the wall of a new proposed building. Come on, somebody. Can anybody get excited about the possibilities? You say, well, when's that going to happen? Oh, that may not happen for another 10 years. It may not, but you know God could send a revival and that could happen in the next two or three years? What would happen? What would happen if just one day some big event happened right here in this sanctuary? Somebody fell over dead and God raised them back from the dead. What would happen? You think that wouldn't catch people's attention? God can do anything. You say, well, you know, hey, he worked. Listen, I have seen that happen two times. And the last time was documented. A man literally stood up praising God and his heart just stopped beating. It fell out in the aisle. 
We all jumped off the platform. We had a, a doctor in the church. She jumped down there and started pounding on his chest trying to get him back. The, they documented when the EMTs got there that he was actually dead for eight minutes. And everybody was praying. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, after eight minutes, his chest heaved one time. <gasps> Like that, and it, boom, came back right in front of the EMTs. Do you think God can't do it? God can form a catalyst out of anything. He could create some excitement around this church, and people would be coming here. You just don't know. If we stay on the wall, continue to be the church, you don't know what kind of revival God could bring here. I'm telling you, stay on the wall. Keep showing up. Keep worshiping God. Keep reaching out to your neighbor. If we all pull together, we can get this wall built. Well, they were picking on him. And so I'm going to give you six or seven little things that happened here in a row. We're going to bounce through. We won't hit every scripture, but I, I, there's six or seven things that, that happened that I think are just incredible. Sanballat was angry. He was indignant. You have to understand, these were Moabites, Ammonites. They, they hated the Jews. They were from Lot's descent. They hated the Jews. They were going to pick on them. The first thing you have to overcome is ridicule. He mocked the Jews. He made fun of them. Uh, somebody's going to make fun of you. It's okay. Let me just say this, though. I, I, I have to, I'm old enough now I can say this. I remember when it was not popular to be apostolic. I remember when we were considered other side of the tracks, crazy, lunatics, whatever. You know, now it's amazing that 40, 50 years later, they're all trying to be like us. But I know where the real deal is. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling the truth. It's easier to be an apostolic today than it's ever been. It's easier to talk about the things of God than it's ever been because it's all true. It's in the book. And they ridicule and they, they slander and they mock and they, oh, well, look at the way you do this. Look at the way you do that. Well, I just don't understand. This opposition uh, challenged Nehemiah to pray. The Bible says 11 times Nehemiah went to pray about it. When they ridiculed him, he'd pray about it. I want to tell somebody, if you're on a, a job situation, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a family member ridiculing you for the way you live and the way you worship and what you stand for, pray about it. Pray about it. God, give me the peace. Just be nice to be favorable with them, to love them through all of that. You understand sometimes people are hurting. You understand sometimes people just don't understand and they lash out at the things they don't understand pray God give me grace give me mercy when they ridicule me I want to have a right spirit stay on the wall come on stay on the wall keep it going the right direction the opposition is going to challenge rebuilding broken lives and solving life's problems is never going to be easy you just have to stay on the wall stay on the wall ridicule is going to come but that's all right that's all right Nehemiah 4 and 6 says, So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together, and the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. The second thing would be the threat of attacking forces. When they couldn't ridicule them off the wall, they threatened, Okay, fine, we'll gather armies and we'll attack. We'll come against you. We'll, we'll mess with the codes, the city codes, or we'll do this or we'll do that, or we'll change this or that. We'll fight you somehow. Uh, but God can change all of that too. If we have a right spirit, amen? When they mocked them, that didn't work. Then they said, we'll attack. Come on down. Vigilance always discourages, threatening attacks of the enemy. What I want to tell you is stay on the wall. Stay on the wall. Keep on your knees. Keep praying. It's all right. The enemy's going to threaten you. Stay on the wall. 
Do the right thing. Get up every morning and say, God, I don't know what you got for me today, but I'm going to stay on the wall. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to keep marching forward. Third thing is discouragement. Nehemiah 4 and 10 speaks of discouragers and how that, oh, yeah, the naysayers. God, help everybody that is, that is riddled by the words of a naysayer. You know, we're going to do a wonderful thing. And the first words out of the mouth, yeah, but it won't be right. Well, we're going to build this. Yeah, but it, it probably won't look right. It won't be functional. Yeah. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, several years ago, we built a Christian school. And uh, I understand. We're all human. We all have hurts and pains and things in our lives that cause us to feel certain ways. Uh, so we came on the scene. I, I had construction background. I worked my way through college. I was a commercial engineer, field engineer. And I built high-rise buildings and all that. So it became incumbent upon me to be one of the leads on the, this building of the school and designing of the school. And so I loved that. I always wanted to be an architect. God saw different. But uh, it was great for me because I enjoyed that kind of thing. And so we started putting plans together to build the school had one teacher. I went to every teacher in our school and said, now, what do you need in your class? We're, we're going to try to do this right. We want to put this together. What, what can we do in, in your room? And, and she just looked at me, and she just, and just walked away. And I was like, is something I said? And so I waited a week or two, and I went back, and I said, um, I really, really would like for you to talk to me because you know, I'm trying to figure out. I'm not a teacher. You know, what do you need in your classroom? Do you need, do you need uh, wire, wireless? Do you need Cat5? Do you need uh, Wi-Fi? What, 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 do you need certain kind of chalkboards? Well, what do you need in your classroom? <sighs> and just walked away. I could not get her to talk to me. So finally, I went to the other teachers and I said, look, you're going to have to run interference here because I cannot get her to talk to me. And so they, they just shook their head and said, yeah, you just, uh, you'd have to understand. I said, well, please help me understand. I said, listen, she is in her 70s, and she's been teaching at this school for 40 years. And she and all the rest that have been here have been promised a new school a dozen times. And they've started fundraising after fundraising, and they would get $40,000, $50,000. Then it was $80,000, up to $100,000, and they would get all excited until a missionary would show up and say, Man, if I could just had an airplane, I could go fly across to another country where they won't let us in. And the church would rise up and say, we got money, let's buy them an airplane. And the teachers would go, and it happened over and over and over. And that's what she's feeling. Ah, I understand. I understand. That's real emotion, right? It's what people feel, disappointment. So... I just circumvented her a little bit and asked the other teachers, will you help me tell, tell me what she, and so we, we put it together. And so we were about maybe uh, 60% through the project, and I could tell that the, the excitement was waning a little bit. It's in that part of the project where you just need a push. You need to get, so I, I said, you know, we, we got to get people in the building. If they can be in here, they'll get excited again because they'll feel it. I mean, it's a real building, right? And so we had a gymnasium attached to the school, and I said, okay, let's." Uh, I went to the contractor. I said, here's what we're going to do. Shift from the school side to the gym side. I want to finish the gym because we're going to have a basketball tournament. He said, he said, sir, there's no front on this building. It's the middle of winter. There's nothing but heavy plastic hanging out. I said, yeah, I know. Just get the gym finished. We're going to shift over here. We've got to get people in the building. And so 
called a fire chief. Fire chief came out and he says, man, I love what you're doing here. I believe in this. We need more Christian schools. I tell you what, I'll put two of my guys in there. They'll stay with you the whole weekend through the whole tournament. We'll make this happen. This is going to be great. Tournament came. People were walking across wood planks through mud and snow and everything else trying to get in the gym because it didn't have a front on it. Big sheets of plastic. So I waited until our team was playing in the tournament, and I went and looked up and down the bleachers, and there she sat on the back row. It's only like four or five, so it was high enough that I could walk up behind her and speak to her. So I walked up behind her, and I said, Sister Fowler, is it a school yet? And she didn't even turn around. She went, huh, have you looked at the outside of this piece of junk? There's plastic hanging down. I had to tromp through mud to get in here. Are you kidding me? It's a school? I don't think so. All right. And so, you know, that's those wounds. And so finally, on the day the school opened in 2007, I told my wife and kids, I said, we're going to be the first ones there. Turn the lights on and greet everybody as they come in. We went really early. And I stood next to the foyer where I could see her coming in. And I waited. Everybody else, she came in and she walked in. And she looked all around at the walls and the lights. Not too impressed, but okay. Walked down the hallway through the chapel. I followed her. I was about 30 feet behind her. She went through the chapel, down to her hallway, turned right, went down to her room, and she stopped and put the key in the door. I was peeking out of the chapel door. She turned it and pushed the door open. Then she walked in, and I counted 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and I walked down, and I pushed the door open. I stepped inside, and I said, Sister Fowler, is it a school yet? And she didn't turn around, but this time she just began to weep and her shoulders shook. The dream had come true. But you understand how people get hurt? You understand how disappointment comes along? Here's the thing. You've got to push through all of that. Discouragement? No, no, no. You can't let discouragement take you down. God's got a plan. Oh, well, maybe it didn't work out, but God has an alternate plan. I believe that God always has a plan. Maybe some wall came up over here and you can't go. God will just circumvent that and go this way. Don't get discouraged. God will work his plan. He's got a timing factor and he's got a way to make things happen. Stay on the wall. Don't get discouraged. Henry Ford was discouraged when he was about to make this automobile Everybody was talking him down, saying it'll never happen, and it shouldn't happen. I'll just tell you this now. Scientists has already proven that if you go into any kind of thing 10 miles an hour, you'll just die. That literally was what they were saying. Any human body that gets in a contraption going 10 miles or over, you're just dead. You just die. And he was like, well, what am I going to do? And finally, he bumped into a fellow of like mind, Thomas Edison. He said, what do you think, Thomas? What do you think? And he didn't immediately answer. He waited for a day or so. And finally, he got a hold of Henry Ford. And he said, Henry, if you believe in it, do it. 
Don't worry about what anybody else says. Can I say to somebody tonight, if, you, if God is in it, if God is in it, you believe God's in this church? Do you believe God wants revival in Richland? Do you believe God wants great miracles to happen? Do you believe God wants people to walk in off the street? Can somebody get behind somebody else and help each other believe it can happen? Don't let discouragement take you out. It can happen. The next thing is guile. The next few verses talk about guile. The enemies heard of the walls nearing completion. They asked Nehemiah to come down in the plain of Ono to talk. Oh, well, let's discuss it. If you'll come down, we'll just discuss this before we attack you. We'll give you a chance to talk. Nehemiah said, no, look, I'm doing a good work here, and I cannot come down. Why should I uh, take the ease from work when these are laboring? I'm not coming down. Well, if you'll just come down. and No, 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 no. I've got a situation here. I've told everyone to stay on the wall. If I come down, then they'll come down. I've got to stay on the wall. I'm here to tell somebody, you're influencing somebody else. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, you've got generations coming behind you, and they're saying somebody's got to stay on the wall. Somebody's got to stay on the wall. If I come down, the ones following me are going to come down. Back to that lady in the airport. I went back home knowing what to find. I know where I could find it, but when I got there, it wasn't there anymore. Come on, church. We got to be the church. We got to stay on the wall. No, slander's another thing. No, slander's another thing. They decided, well, we'll just we'll create all kinds of things and say all kinds of things about you. They said, say anything you want to say. They threatened them finally. They said, you know, Shemaiah, he urged Nehemiah to hide in the temple to protect them from the enemies. He said, why would we hide in the temple? If we hide in the temple, they'll just come up here and destroy what we've done. They'll tear down the wall again. No, we're going to stay on the wall. We're not going to hide. Why should we hide when God is on our side? Come on, church. Stay on the wall. It's not time to hide. It's not time to back up. It's not time to shy away. It's time to push forward and build a wall. It's time to stay on the wall and be the church. Time to stay on the wall and be the church. I know we've got a problem in our society today with weakened authority. Now, look, I'm not here. It's not a bashing session. It's just the truth. When teachers are leaving our schools, I've read several articles lately where seasoned teachers, people who have given 40 years in the public school system, are simply walking away. And the reason they're walking away is they say, because the animal in the zoo are better than the ones in my classroom. And when I go to discipline the children in my classroom, then I get disciplined by the leadership in the school. And the leadership in the school cannot stand behind me because they get disciplined from the school board. And the school board gets unelected by the parents who don't want them touching the... You understand how this works? we got a vacuum in leadership. Come on, somebody. It's time to stand up and do the right thing. Parents are abdicating their responsibility because of the threat of legal action. Can't touch my child. I remember well when our children were very small. Uh, our daughter, she was kind of acting up. We were in a restaurant. We were, she was just kind of acting up, being a kid, you know, being just cantankerous and obstinate, just doing kid stuff, right? And my wife was really correcting her. And I had noticed in the booth right across from us, there was a lady monitoring every single thing, every movement, every word. Now, this was before the cell phone thing, you know, where she could just literally video everything. But I, she was mentally, she was taking notes. And I said to my wife, I said, babe, you need to be really careful right now. Because the lady in the booth is watching every move you're making. 
She could pick up her phone and call on you right now, and they'll haul us out of here. Just be really careful. So she said, okay, fine. And she took my daughter by the hand and led her to the restroom. Going to do some mom business. When she got to the restroom, the door popped open, and guess who walked in? Waiting. Come on, people. I just read a thing the other day that was talking about raising children. Oh, we don't want to go into this. I got to tell you. Anybody know what the sound is? That's the sound when mama says, all right, go outside and pick your switch. Yeah, we had a hedge outside that had big long wisp on it, and she would say, all right, either you go pick it or I'll go pick it. I'm going to go pick a one that's right, really limber, you know. And she would grab that and run her fingers, pulling all the leaves off. You could hear them coming off. And, boy, she could lay it into us. But let me just tell you this. It did me good. I get it. There's bad stuff that happens in the world. But we've gone too far when parents can't even correct their children. Religious groups are abolishing spiritual mandates in order to hold people, whatever it is. No, we got to, we got to stay on the wall, people. we got to be the church. We've got to be the church. When walls of morality and absolutes are being built, it, it bothers certain people. We don't want constructs. We don't want rules. We don't want regulations. Listen, I don't love the Lord Jesus Christ because of a book of rules. I love the Lord Jesus Christ because he died for my sin. I love him because he went to the cross. He took my stripes. He took my shame. I love him enough that I'm not worried about some kind of rule. I love him and I serve him because of what he's done for me. We got to get past this idea of rules. It's not about rules. It's about loving Jesus Christ with all of our heart. I got to tell you, if you love Jesus like you should love Jesus, there's not a rule that could shy you away from truth. Nehemiah says, stay on the wall, stay on the wall, stay on the wall, stay on the wall. And in 52 days, 52 days, they completed the wall. Now, these were not brick masons. They were just normal, everyday people. They just... Okay, how do you make mortar? And they showed them how to make mortar. How do you lay the stones? Well, you just kind of set them in there where they can stay, you know, right? But the people had a mind to work. They had a mind to stay on the wall and do the right thing. 52 days they built the wall. You think, well, okay, well, it's not such a big deal. It's just a little old wall. Yeah, but it was a wall that circumferenced the city of David. It went up and down and around and across this big hill. It's a powerful thing. We just took a tour group to Israel a couple of months ago. And uh, our guide, Hezi, he's a great guy. He loves apostolics. He loves all of our groups that go over there. We've gotten him hooked up with several other uh, apostolic groups, and he just loves apostolics. We're going to the city of David, and he says to me, he says, I have a surprise for you. I said, okay. And he says, "When we, you just follow my lead. Uh, Okay. And so we go to the city of David, which, you know, normally everybody thinks the Western Wall and the walls around the big Temple Mound there is the city of David. That's not the city of David. That's what Solomon built. The city of David is outside of those walls going down the hill, the old city of David, much smaller. And they've been excavating. And so we go down these stairs, spiral staircase, down like two or three stories and just keep going down and keep going down. And finally he says, okay, everybody stop. So we stopped, and there was metal grating going out over where they were digging. And so he looks at me, and he says, okay, come with me. So we walk across the grating, and he says, stop right there. And I turn around, 
He said, I wanted you to be the first because you're a songwriter. He said, you're now standing in the room where David wrote the Psalms in the palace. They had uncovered David's palace. Ah, I tell you what, for me, every hair on my body stood on end. How powerful is that? We went through what we could there, what they would allow us to go through, and then we went out through what would have been the outside wall of David's palace. It's not there anymore. And then there were some stairwells going down, about three flights of stairs going down. And I turned to Hezzy, and I said, Hezzy, help me out here. Nehemiah's wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Nehemiah's wall. Yeah, yeah. No, Hezzy. Does any of it still stand? He said, come with me. So we went down and got to the bottom of the stairs. Can you pop that picture up? Boom. Look at that. Thousands of years, Nehemiah's wall still standing because the people had a mind to stay on the wall and do what was right. Thousands of years. That means generation after generation after Look at that. Hey, there weren't even brick masons, but that's Nehemiah's wall, what remains of it after wars and bombs and everything else. Thousands of years later, still standing because people had a mind to work, and they said, we will stay on the wall. Can I just tell you, church, we got to stay on the wall. There's a generation coming up. There's another. It's, this is our responsibility. It's not just about me. Oh, i got to get to heaven. It's all about, no, it's not even about me. It's about my children. It's about those coming after those Stay on the wall, stay on the wall, stay on the wall. You see, that's what can happen a thousand years from now. We'll still be singing his praises. We'll still be shouting and dancing and speaking in tongues and baptizing in Jesus' name. Why? Because somebody stayed on the wall. Stand with me. It's not time to turn in. It's time to tune in to God's Spirit. It's not time to shut up. It's time to speak up. We've never had a platform like we have today. We've never had the opportunities that we have today. And we've never had situations today. I, and, I, and I know it's got to affect all of us. You know, here's the crazy thing. This is why I'm so confident in this. My wife and I were in Sam's of all places, and we were walking around. And uh, all of a sudden I hear, hey! I thought it was workers or something. We just kept walking. Hey! We just kept walking. Finally, hey, I'm talking to you. And I thought, oh, who is it? I turned around, and there was an elderly gentleman in a wheelchair, and his wife was pushing him in the wheelchair. And I turned around, and I said, he said, you. I said, me? He said, you. I'm talking to you. Come here. I said, okay. So I walked over there, and almost before we got there, he had his hand out, and his wife was weeping. And when he grabbed my hand, he said, You're an apostolic preacher, aren't you? I said, Yes, sir, I am. Absolutely, yes, sir, I am. He said, My wife and I were sitting here, and we saw you and your wife walk down that hall. And when you made that turn, I said to her, and she said to me at the same time, I said, Look at that apostolic couple. He said, Don't ever change what you believe and don't ever change who you are we used to be just like you but we've lost all of that he began to weep and go on to this whole deal I gotta tell you 
when something like that happens, it changes who you are and how you feel. Folks, we've got to stay on the wall. We've got to stay on the wall. We've got to be committed to this. Why? We've got a job to do. There's people lost and dying. Somebody you don't even know could come up to you on the job tomorrow and say, hey, you're an apostolic, aren't you? That's right. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. Well, I can't witness. Well, I, 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 you know, I, 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 we've all got excuses. No, no, no. Here's what you can do. Has God been good to anybody in this room? Has he been faithful to anybody in this room? Has he healed anybody in this room? Has he worked a miracle? See, all you've got to do is let me tell you what God can do, what he did in my life. Because nobody can take your testimony away from you. And your testimony is just as valid and real as anybody else's because it was yours. You've got to stay on the wall. Amen? I think I've made the point. God bless you. Pastor, I'll turn it back to you. It's been such a joy to be with you tonight. God bless you. We look forward to being back with my wife and my daughter a couple of weeks. God bless you. Thank you so much. Amen. Why don't we, we're going we're gonna to give you just uh, a few minutes. I think it would do us all good if we'd take about five minutes. Let's just come down to the front and let's just, if nothing else, let's thank him. All right. If you need special prayer, we're going to ask Brother Pettigo if he would pray for you. But let's just take a few minutes. And if you would tonight, if you would help us out with a special offering for Brother Pettigo, we would appreciate it. And, uh, Amen. Let's just come on down here. Young people, everybody, come on down. And maybe uh, Brother Long will get something to play there. But let's just lift our hearts. And if you need special prayer, if you need special prayer, all right? If you would just, if you need special prayer, come right down over here. All right? And we'll have in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough
God is doing something right now. He is moving mountains, making way for someone. God is doing something right now. All my hope is in the day.